Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution personalized M&Ms. Just imagine the look on your grad's face when they receive a custom candy creation featuring their school's colors, name, and even their photo printed right on some M&Ms. It's a thoughtful way to celebrate their accomplishments and make the occasion even more special. Visit MMS.com to create your own personalized gifts and party favors for graduations, weddings, birthdays, and more. That's MMS.com. Use code WONDERY to receive 15% off your next order. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. 
Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week we come to you from La Romana in the Dominican Republic, otherwise known as the home of Casa de Campo, one of the more amazing resorts in the world. And in the interest of full disclosure, let me say this about golf. I drive a mean cart. (laughs) I have never played a round of golf in my life because I'm afraid I'm going to hurt somebody, probably including me. I'm fast. I watch ESPN Sports Center all the time to watch the, the most amazing highlights and incredible plays. And of course, the occasional hole in one. But most importantly, I drive a mean cart. Um, and uh, joining me now, who also drives a mean cart, he has to because he's the golf director here, is Robert Portell. How are you, sir? Very well. Thank you. Um, the course here is amazing. They are amazing. We actually have three golf courses that are amazing. Uh, Casa de Campo has Teeth of the Dog which is in the top 100, uh, Die 4, which is up at Alto de Chavon, and the Lynx. All right, but let's do one by one. What makes them amazing then? Well, Teeth of the Dog is uh, incredibly unique because it has seven oceanside holes that you can literally just do a backflip into the ocean. Um, I mean, but you really could. You really can. I've seen people do it. Before or after making the shot <laughs> or not making the shot. It depends when they <laughs> fall in the round and how much fun they've been having. Is alcohol involved? Uh, usually. Oh, okay. Just double. I just. I had to ask. I had to ask. All right. So location, location, location. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's coastline golf. It's beautiful. I mean, you have uh, these views of the Caribbean, and it's it's fantastic. Are they difficult courses? You know, Teeth of the Dog is. Uh, it's in front of you. It's not overly difficult, but um, golf is difficult in itself. If you can't hit the ball straight, everything's difficult. Now, I mean, you were PGA pro. In Puerto Rico before you came here so how would you rate these courses in terms of difficulty for you uh, for me I actually find uh, die four to be the most challenging now you call it die four not named for Pete Dye it is named for Pete Dye yes oh. because see, of the view see you think you didn't know anything about golf I got that one okay. you got that yeah. yeah so it's up at Altos it has spectacular views and yes it is to die for oh stop stop Sorry. it stop you teed it, it up it. Okay, I, you oh, teed it right all up for pun me. intended okay yeah. so that's the difficult one Yes, that is the most difficult. It's uh, far more hilly, but amazing views, equally scenic. You can see it's one of uh, four courses in the world that you can see the ocean, the river, and the mountains from one vantage place. And some of your courses have 27 holes. Die 4 has 27 holes. That's correct. Explain that to me. Well, there's three nines. Um, So the main nine is the Marina and the Chavon nine, and then we also have the Lagos nine, so you can change the rotation and uh, experience a different golf course when you play Die 4. Now, when people come here, I would assume they're coming here for other reasons just because of go- not just golf. They'll combine golf with something else, right? Yes. Uh, a lot of the time we'll have, um, you know, there'll be bachelor parties or incentive trips, or, um, but there's plenty of different activities to do. And you have polo. We do have polo. Actually, I just talked to um, David Sterling and, and Juan Nero. They're three, two, of the top five polo, uh, two of the top five polo players in the world. They just arrived. And the horses are here. The horses are here. Wow. And you have have the real estate to play. Yeah, we have three uh, fantastic polo fields. And uh, we have three tournaments coming up starting next week, um, which is incredible to watch. I actually knew nothing about polo. And I sort of relate it to my first NBA basketball experience, which was courtside. So last year, you watch these guys play polo. And watching anyone else play polo is just not the same. Have you been on a horse? Uh, no, but my little girl rides. 
but no polo. Uh, she has a little polo mallet. <laughs> she rides her bike and has a polo mallet and her ball at home and hits the ball around the house. When you have the tournaments here, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's a PGA course? Yes, absolutely. Is it part of the circuit yet? We held, uh, last year, we held the Latin America Amateur Championship where the winner got an exemption into the Masters. Uh, that was an amateur tournament. And then we also held... How do you get an exemption of the Masters on an amateur tournament? So that tournament is run by the USGA, the RNA, and the Masters organization. So they got together and they hand out the exemptions. So there are a couple every year? There's one, the Latin America amateur is each year, as well as there's an Asian Pacific amateur. And last year we held the Latin America here, which how, was a huge honor. And the person who won that, how'd they do? Uh, they got aced. They got aced at, okay. at Augusta. But the, <laughs> he was the youngest player no in the No green field. jacket. No. <laughs> he was 16, though, so that, what an incredible experience. Well, I remember the Korean girl who, who, who played. She was amazing. Uh, in Well, a lot of the Korean ladies are unbelievable, unbelievable at golf. I know. They're, they're so focused, and they get it down. And they're young. They are all young, yeah. They're under the age of 20. The LPGA Tour is uh, it's far more exciting to watch these days than it was years ago. Well, for a number of reasons. One, because they know how to sh the, the, the TV networks know how to shoot them now. I mean, it's all about the angles and the shots you're yeah, getting to they, see. Yeah, they know how to show golf and they know how to advertise it. Exactly. What's the most difficult hole? Out here? Yeah. Uh, 17, Teeth of the Dog, is the most difficult hole. Plays right along the cliff, into the wind, 450 yards, and you have to be to a narrow fairway and a narrow green set right up, right up alongside the ocean. And is that the hole that you jump out to the, to the backflip? You could. Toto? Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. interested when people make a conscious choice to leave the U.S. and to live somewhere else. And my next guest has done just that. She's one of the authors and editors at Casa Life magazine. Her name is Heather Lincoln. You're a North Carolina girl. I am. And you've been here for six years. I have been. Why the Dominican Republic and why Casa de Campo? Well, I first visited the country back in 2007 for a trip with friends. And so I vacation? Yes. And uh, have since been back several times over the years. And then decided to officially move in 2011 because I loved it so much. And now you're writing for the magazine. I am. It's only been a year that I've been writing for the magazine, but I started um, in November of 2015. I met my boss on an airplane, so a very fortuitous meeting. Ah, he said, come write for me. It's a woman, and she said, yes, I would love your help with our website. So I joined within a week and very happy to be here. I always ask people this question, so I've got to ask you. Obviously, you're trying to tell people stuff about the Dominican Republic or about Casa de Campo that they don't know, right? Something that's not in the brochure, something that's not in the guidebook, but that's accessible to them that allows them to immerse themselves in the culture. Sure, of course. What do you do for what do you do for fun that you want to share with your friends that may not be in the guidebook or the, or the brochures? That's a very good question. Um, well, I think tourism in the Dominican Republic offers a lot of obvious, um, wonderful things to do. Uh, kayaking or snorkeling or uh, hiking in the mountains. 
Um, I enjoy all these things. I'm very have a very active sporting life. Um, but as far as something that you may not know, um, like where do you like to hang out? Where do you like to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner? That's a hole in the wall. A hole in the wall? Yeah, a dive. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't have a hole in the wall that uh, springs to mind, but my friend and I were in Alto Stratovon, which is a 16th century Mediterranean-style replica village here in Casa de Campo, and we ate at Cafe Marietta three times. And so um, I think that's a, it offers a great view of the Chavon River. It's um, a relatively new restaurant and uh, has a lot of delicious food. We had risotto and salad and exquisite desserts. So not a hole in the wall, but definitely a stop for uh, visitors to Casa de Campo. But if you're a kayaker and a swimmer and a snorkeler, you're going to places that may not just be on the regular maps. Sure. I mean, there's a ton of... Uh, Restaurants like right off the beach, say in Samana, where you, um, you know, local fishermen will catch fish of the day and then they'll cook it right there for you on the beach. And that happens uh, pretty locally in every uh, beach that you can find in the Dominican Republic, especially um, Punta de las Aguilas. And um, that's, you know, right on the Haitian border. So um, gorgeous scenery and um, great food. So. And, and fish that you don't get in North Carolina necessarily. Sure. Like what kind of fish? You know, I, I'm not a, a fisherman, so... Um, but, you but, eat, but you ate it. I do. I um, Yes, I love octopus and um, langosta and, yeah, crabs. So there's a lot of good fish here. Now, you still have a lot of friends in North Carolina? I do. They come down to visit you? I had one visit me just two weeks ago. And what was the biggest surprise to them that they weren't weren't expecting? Um, she definitely was culture had a culture shock by just getting out of the airport and seeing how many people there were on the street and the cars and the traffic. So definitely uh, not used to driving here in the Dominican Republic. Although the roads have gotten so much better. I mean, yes, we have great highways um, that will. Uh, take you from the city in Santo Domingo to Punta Cana uh, or to up to Samana. Um, yeah, so great um, you know, infrastructure in, in terms of highways. Uh, but I think just the amount of cars on the road and, um, yeah, not necessarily abiding by traffic laws. So so basically it's part of the entertainment scene here. It's it a, is. It's bumper cars. I had to tell her, just relax. You trust me, right? You'll be fine. And did anybody have a problem? No. She no, was nobody good. was hurt during your visit? She, she might have covered her eyes for a minute or two, but she was, she was <laughs> fine. <laughs> well, I, I, I strongly recommend a movie that you should watch before anybody else comes to visit you again. It had nothing to do with the Dominican Republic, but it's about driving. It's called The Gumball Rally. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. Everything is forgiven here. Did you just forgive me? Uh, yes, of course. The person who just forgave me is Arlene Alvarez, who I haven't seen in a couple of years. She's the director of the Altos de Chavon Museum. How are you? Thank you for inviting me again. Yeah. I mean, you know, I say this all the time, that too many people never leave the resorts. They don't get a chance to see what's out there. And you've had a pretty cool museum for quite some time. Yeah, it's been around for 30 years in the first stage uh, when Altos de Chabón was first opened. And it's an archaeological museum? It is. 
what's the most significant find? Because when, anytime somebody talks about archaeological museum, and most people, oh, they always you have, you know, dinosaurs. We have a main piece uh, that's made out of wood. It's been dated between the 11th and uh, 12th centuries, and uh, it's called the Cohoba Idol. And it's made out of wood that the Spaniards uh, named uh, the iron wood because it's very hard. And it's been able to sustain uh, the passage of time. It was hidden in caves uh, around here in the Cumayasa River because when the Spaniards started uh, burning everything up uh, that uh, indigenous people adored, they realized they had to hit uh, their very appreciated stuff in order to make it. Uh, See, we go right back to Christopher Columbus as a bad guy. Uh, yes, yes, I do. Yeah, me Agreed. too. Yeah. Oh my God! I mean, I have to tell you, somebody loaned me a book about him. My my entire vi- thought process about this guy changed in the first ten pages of the book. This guy was vicious. Yes, but at the museum we focus more on the result of the uh, mixing of cultures. Uh, sure. We don't really highlight the encounter uh, we don't highlight the discovery part but the encounter right. of cultures. but it's not just the mixing of the cultures it's the preservation of those cultures exactly uh, we are uh, part of the uh, research group that focuses on uh, the revitalization of the indigenous culture uh, highlighting uh, the part of the culture that goes beyond words and and ways of eating uh, we believe that there's a lot of cultural heritage that you can still find in the countryside. Uh, I'm very near here. You know, if you take a look at the Pacific Islanders, their culture is all about storytelling on storyboards. That's right. Right? Was that translated at all in this culture about storyboards or storytelling? Uh, we have. We have a great uh, deal of oral history, uh, especially in the countryside. Uh, we still have festivals where we make food and dance uh, and, and the telling of stories of our families uh, that are still a very big part of uh, family rituals. What's the, the, based on your experience at the museum, what's the, the most misunderstood aspect of the Dominican culture? Uh, beginning with the indigenous history, it is always uh, believed that the indigenous people were too passive and almost... Um, Idiots, if you, if I may say this on on the air, and, and uh, you just did, it's okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, the idea that uh, we were lazy uh, uh, in terms of the, the indigenous groups that were here is very misunderstood, as well as the minimizing the mixing between the indigenous people and the African slaves. Um, that part of the history is not highlighted; it's not appreciated. And because of the uh, institutionalized racism, it's always put down as, as something that you want to hide in the family. No, but you have to acknowledge it so you don't repeat it. That's right. Uh, especially here, we uh, share an island with two different countries, with very different, uh, to a certain extent, cultures. And that is the reason why... Well, not to a certain extent, to a great extent. Well, the, the, we're islanders, and we yeah. were put on this, uh, as we know, in terms of the cultural baggage. We are here for the same reasons. I, I, well, the Spanish here... Uh, yes, but also the African heritage yes. uh, was brought in the same way as as a uh, European. See, you know, it's interesting to me, and we don't have enough time to talk about it today. We could probably do it off air. You know, how the Dominican Republic could advance and grow and prosper, and how Haiti was always the forgotten country. Haiti was always just left to rot by That's the right. French and by the Americans and by everybody else. I could never understand... Why? They purchased their uh, freedom, and they're still paying for it. 
yeah. Mm-hmm. But explain that. Well, uh, they had to, at, at some point, the uh, Haitian part of the island was very prosperous economically. And they organized themselves to in order to purchase their freedom from France. And ever since, they had to pay a very, very high price and for it. And they could never get ahead of it. And after that, they were never able to recover economically. So they were financial slaves. That's right. Amazing. Until now. Well, we hope they can turn the corner. We also hope to. I believe that tourism offers a very good opportunity for both countries oh, to organize themselves. Without a doubt. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, look, you, you take countries that are considered belligerent, nasty countries like North Korea. The only thing that's going to save them economically is going to be travel and tourism. They just haven't yep. figured that out yet. Exactly. But in Haiti, you know, Marriott has opened up a hotel. Some other hotels are opening up. And it, it will happen. Yes, I agree. If they're built properly and the bright precautions are taken. And they have a very good cultural tourism offer. Uh, They organize themselves the same way that we should continue uh, to organize here. And you know what? What would be wrong with with doing a a twofer? You know, like come to visit the Dominican Republic and go to do Haiti at the same time or go to Haiti and then do the DR. And do some uh, social cause uh, tourism. And leave the resort long enough to go visit the museum. You can go to the museum. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. Most people who come to the Dominican Republic as tourists, I have to say this, and it's not uh, you know, particular just to the Dominican Republic, it's to most Caribbean islands that have resorts, never ever leave the resorts. Uh, they stay in their room and they go to the beach and they may go to a luau in Hawaii. Whatever they're doing, they're not really immersing themselves in the culture. So I've taken it upon myself to talk to the person who knows these things. She's a UK expat living in the DR and author of Dominican Republic Culture Smart, The Essential Guide to Customs and Culture. Alana Benedict, how are you? Fine, thanks. Uh, you nodded your head when I said that because I think I'm right. People don't really get out, get off the campus. It is a problem with most tourists who yeah. come to a country like this. So first of all, what brought you here? Work. I used to work for the international development agency Oxfam in England. I know Oxfam, sure. Yes, and they had an office here in Santo Domingo, and I came to work in the office in 96 and And, loved it. And they never left. Not quite. I went back, came back (laughs) on my third visit in 98. I met my husband, who's here with me now. And that, that's it. I moved here in 99. And they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, we know what brought you here, but what kept you here? I'd, been, I'd traveled a lot with work and also you know, personal travel. And lots of countries have captured my heart, but this one was special. And I can't really put my finger on it. On it. Lots of people say the same thing. But um, it's the obvious things, the beauty of the country, the warmth of the people. Um, and I just felt that I wanted to be part of it. Well, there are a lot of countries that are beautiful, and they're sort of bereft of a, a lot of culture. That's not the case here. 
Well, every country has its own brand of culture, and it's very varied here, much more than one would think for a small island. For example? And it's not such a small island. I mean, everyone sees a speck on the map, but it's actually a large island because it takes 10 hours to cross from one side to the other. And people don't realize, because most Americans, I have to admit, are geographically ignorant, most Americans don't realize that the Dominican Republic is, at least geographically and topographically, and geologically linked to what? Haiti. Haiti shares one-third of the island. The Dominican Republic makes up two-thirds. Right. And people forget that. They think they're separated by the ocean. They're not. Yes, yes. So what about the culture? Give me specific that, that you would look for or that you found yourself. Well, my particular area of interest has been food more than anything and all the customs and cultural um, traditions that surround it. Um, the food here is very specific. It shares something in common with other Caribbean islands and other Latin American countries, but it also has its own distinctive features. It's a reflection of the many origins of the peoples of this island. First of all, the indigenous Tainos, then the Africans and the Europeans. <laughs> Since then, there have been other influences, the Spaniards, the Italians... So when we, talk about fusion, mm -hmm. when we talk about fusion and food, we're not kidding. Yes. I mean, all these islands have their own particular fusion, and it all sort of took shape in a slightly different way. So instead of coming to an American resort and ordering a cheeseburger, which yes. so many travelers tend to do, thinking they've had an authentic, genuine, curated experience, what would you recommend? Well, the resorts, to give them credit, do offer Dominican food. Yes. Everyone I've been to on, in the buffet, they that have the mean, international food. That foods. doesn't mean they're going to order it, so you have to, no. you have to walk them no. through it. No, If you really want to get a taste of the country, maybe the resort is not the best place. But they will have, for example, for breakfast, they'll have the mashed plantain, the mangu, on the buffet. And that's um, a very traditional breakfast food that people, especially in the rural areas, would eat to keep them going. You know, they'd wake up very early in the morning, have a heavy breakfast, and that would keep them going until lunchtime. Now, with all due respect, you came from the United Kingdom, not known mm -hmm. for their great cuisine. Come That's on, right. come yes. on. No, I'm the first to admit okay, it. Okay, so here you were in a brave new world of mm -hmm. new cuisine. Mm -hmm. What did you love to eat? Ooh, um, if I have to list my favorite dishes, they would be the shrimp and coconut sauce that's traditional here in the north, in the northeast. Not the too spicy? No, not at all spicy. Yeah. That's one thing about Dominican food. It's not spicy. Dominicans are a bit averse to spicy food, and there's only one or two dishes that have a slight kick to them. So not a lot of Dominican chilies being grown. Well, yes, but it's not. Most people tend to avoid okay. spicy. So there's shrimp and coconut sauce. Yes, and there's also little um, fritters made with ca cassava and flavored with a little bit of aniseed. They're absolutely delicious. They're called arepitas de yuca. Wow. Mm -hmm. Will you find that on most menus? No, not in most menus, but most Dominican households will serve them, yes. So if you want to come to the Dominican Republic, mm -hmm. and you want to even come to Casa de Campo and immerse yourself in all the things that they have here, what should you tell the chef you want for dinner? Well, any seafood and coconut sauce dish I'd highly recommend. If you want to go sort of everyday Dominican rice, beans, and meat or fish, or chicken. Um, and Or the very sort of flagship special occasion Dominican treat is the sancocho, which is a heavy stew made with seven types of meat. That's, that's a heavy stew. A very heavy stew, seven types of meat, root vegetables, and other ingredients. Uh, served with secret rice. Sauce. <laughs> yes, served with rice and avocado. And seafood other than shrimp? 
um, crab and conch, lambi. Now, how is that prepared? Well, the, the dish I like with conch, they mince it, so the texture's kind of, kind of like couscous, and it's um, stewed with um, cilantro and onion and tomato. Very, very tasty. Do you find in this part of the, of, of the Caribbean more stews than grills? I think a bit of both. I mean, this is the island that invented the barbecue. Aha, you've, mm -hmm. you've buried the lead on me here. Yes. Um, Tell me more. Well, the word barbacoa comes from the Taino word for, I suppose, spit roast or, or cooking a, an animal on a fire. And in fact, roast pig is the, is the signature Christmas dish here, not turkey, although some people do eat turkey. Listen, if I had a choice between turkey and, and roast pig, it's going to be the pig. <laughs> Far more flavorful. So I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a meat eater. <laughs> no, me neither. That's why. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay, we can talk. But we can talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, and I'm, I, I have researched it and, and read a lot about it and, and love the subject. So meat, vegetables, everything, seafood. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Hello? Uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. We've been talking to Alana Benedy, who is the author of Living uh, of, of Dominican Republic Culture Smart. Did I get it right? That's right. Uh, the Essential Guide to Customs and Culture. And we last left off on the barbecue cliffhanger. Um, it really was invented here. Yes, the indigenous inhab inhabitants, the Tainos, um, used to cook their meat that way. And the word, to, together with other words from their language, has um, survived in English and Spanish and other languages. Now, I'm going to suspect something, Alana, and you tell me if I'm right, that mm -hmm. once you decided to permanently move here, especially at certain times of the year, you had friends you never knew about who were showing up to say, hi, we're here, right? Yes, 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 absolutely. And you're the tour guide. Yes. So they had preconceived notions, I'm sure. So where did you take them that completely broadened their horizons? Well, I wouldn't be so mean as to do this, but we do have a very cold part of the island. But seeing as people who come to visit us, especially in winter, are coming to escape the cold in Europe or North America. But cold is relative. When you say a cold part of the island, how cold does it get? Freezing. Frost. At, it doesn't snow, but they get frost sometimes. At what time of the year? Um, well, especially in our winter, the same winter as... Like right now? Yes, like right now, it's the coldest time of year. Wow. They mm -hmm. get snow? No, not snow. Frost. Ah. But it goes down to freezing. And during the day, it's pleasant, like spring-like. I think that's... Even in summer, it's cool at night. I think that's very cool. You, you, yes. you have the best of both worlds that way. Yes, for okay, those so you're of not us taking them there. Yes, no, I'm not taking them there. We love it because I, I've lived here for years and I need a break from the heat sometimes. Yes. But um, I'd have to say, I mean, Punta Cana, where I live, is glorious. The beaches are And to put it in perspective, famous. Punta Cana is about 70 kilometers from where we are right yes, now. Yes, about less than an hour's drive. Yeah. Um, the beaches are legendary and, you know, they deserve their reputation. But there's more to the country than the beaches, and the tourist board would be the first to say that. Um there are parts of the country with waterfalls, um, mountain areas that aren't so cold, um, and it's and the cities. I mean, the history in, in Santo Domingo, especially, is fascinating for anyone who likes some um, old buildings and to know about the history. And they've maintained that culture there. 
Yes, well, the the colonial part of the city is is in the process of restoration, so part of it is a little bit um, upside down at the moment. But it's but I'm a talking about the music, the food, Ab- the the living culture. Yes, uh, yes, the the music, the food, are huge attractions and things that the people who visit really do enjoy. I mean, my first eye-opening experience in Santo Domingo was years ago, when you know we've been propagandized into thinking that the best cigars in the world are Cuban. Yes. And then I met your best cigar makers in Santo Domingo, and I was blown away. Yes, I, I, I've heard that as well, yes. And they're becoming famous and um, I think, you know, taking quite a large share of the world, world market, yes. Well, when all your new best friends show up to visit, mm-hmm. where do you take them? Where do I take them to eat or where, what part of the country do I take both, them to vis- visit? Well, I take them to eat, you know, at a, at a, at a traditional Dominican restaurant, usually. Um, so that they can taste a, a wide variety, more than what we cook at home. Um, part so of so c- no bangers and mash? Well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm more of an Indian cook than a I, bangers I and know, mash cook. I know, I <laughs> know. Um, well, they, and they bring me the, the, the long-lost ingredients from England that I oh, miss. Oh, they bring you the curries. Yes, yes they miss the spices and, and the infamous Marmite. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to discuss Marmite with you. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to laugh because most of my friends laugh at me, okay? I'm addicted to something that's made with Marmite. Yeah. And I, I buy it by the case, mm-hmm. and I bring it back with me from London every time I come home. You know what it is? The kindred spirit. Are Who you ready? Thought? Twiglets. Twiglets made with Marmite. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. And people laugh at me. and say, mm-hmm. here, try it. Now, it is an acquired taste, mm-hmm. but it's like this crazy sour pretzel, and I mm-hmm. can't get enough of it. Yeah, no, Marmite is, is, is delicious. I, I'm, <laughs> one, I'm you know, a worshiper. What is Marmite? Mm. It's a yeast extract. It's very salty, very tasty. And, and it's sour. Well, sour, yes. It's usually uh, spread on, on buttered toast. What's your mm. favorite Dominican dish? Well, uh, the seafood in coconut sauce that I mentioned earlier, the, the yuca fritters. I also like the way they cook eggplant, um, usually fried or stewed. Um, and there's some... Very delicious sweets, like this baked coconut sweet, which I adore. Now, we all know that in 1492, Christopher Columbus showed up here as mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. right? Yes, the first tourist. He was, wasn't yes, he? Yes, yes. He was, he was also the first ruthless tourist. Yes, he didn't he behave killed very all, well. You yes. know, when you read biographies of Christopher mm-hmm. Columbus, you get angry at your elementary school teachers because you were celebrating this guy as a hero. You had a holidays named after him. We still do have Columbus Day. This guy was raping, pillaging killing all in the name of the of, of the queen yes well it's very sad that the indigenous inhabitants of the islands didn't really survive past the first couple of generations i know and their yet culture has somehow and apparently genetically there is a trace in most dominicans but um the people themselves are not visible really in people's faces very rare it's it's really sad mm-hmm. because I encourage people to read the last two or three biographies that have come out on christopher columbus it will change the way you look at the person who supposedly discovered America, who I don't think he did, I, I'm still I still think it was the Vikings. But what do I know? But but in terms of his behavior, unconscionable, mm-hmm. ruthless. Yes, no, the Spanish conquest was very very brutal. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. When you other than food, when you bring your friends around the country, what's the biggest eye opener for them that they're not expecting? Well, usually, um, especially if we come into Santo Domingo and, well, Punta Cana for that matter, the level of modernization, they expect it to be a sleepy little Caribbean island with, you know, wooden palm-thatched huts and not much more. And when we drive into Santo Domingo and they see the great big, you know, 
highways and intersections and tall buildings and shopping malls. It's not what they expect. You know, it's interesting because if you look at the development of so many Caribbean islands, their infrastructure really did suffer. Um, today, landing at Santo Domingo and driving from Santo Domingo to here, which is about an hour, mm -hmm. the roads are like up to speed with everybody. Yes, and this is fairly new. The road be between Santo Domingo and the east, which is La Romana, Punta Cana, which is where we are now, wasn't so good up to about four, four, four or five years ago. Right. It used to take us maybe almost four hours. La Romana to the capital would have been maybe two hours. But now you have air service from La Romana as well. Yes, an airport right next to Casa de Campo. And Punta Cana. And Punta Cana, the country's largest airport. People don't remember mm -hmm. that. I mean, they think it's, it's Santo Domingo, but it's yeah. not. Yeah. What's the thing that bothers you the most? Well, on the same, in the same vein, the driving. The driving is, is difficult to get used to because people do drive quite dangerously. And any advice to visitors would be probably not to drive, as, and if they have to drive, not to drive at night. I would recommend that for a lot of places. Yes, well, yes. Because of alcohol. Alcohol and just reckless driving. It and is. And texting and driving, which is a, you know, a well, worldwide problem. That's, that's a worldwide problem, problem. Yeah. absolutely. Mm. And what would you like to see done that hasn't been done Oh, I was talking about this in the car with my husband on the way here, and he was. I was saying, well, you know, the self, the health system, the education system, and he said, well, all you have to say is corruption. If corruption high up was reduced or eliminated, the other problems, most of them would sort themselves out. And the Dominican Republic has no monopoly on that. No, but Sadly. there is a serious education crisis here. Um, the government has increased its investment, but the quality is still yet to be reflected. And you know that from your work with Oxfam. I do with Oxfam, yes. yes. Um, we worked particularly in rural areas, particularly with small farmers you know, trying to access markets with crops like coffee and, and get a fair price for their, for their produce. Yes. Are they mo moving more towards fair traded items now? There has been, but the coffee crop in recent years has suffered because there's been a, an infestation that has wiped it out. So in fact, lots of coffee that's sold as Dominican is partly imported. Ooh. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now I radio clearance over. That's Clarence over. Over. Roger. Huh? I first came down to Casa de Campo 30 years ago, actually 32 years ago, when it was then owned by Gulf and Western. Uh, I used to work at Paramount, which was a Gulf and Western company, and our chairman was a guy named Charlie Bluthorn, who came down here all the time. We heard about it. We had to come down and check it out. And what was amazing to me about it wasn't that it wasn't just a typical resort, because it was, in many cases, another resort, but it had activities for guests that you couldn't find anywhere else, especially that many activities anywhere else on any comparable resort. And one of those things was uh, they had a shooting center. Um, and as part of that, they also even bred and trained dogs. And uh, I always found that fascinating when you, you have that kind of real estate to play with, uh, which they do here, and then, again, and then you start playing with it. Joining me now, who's the shooting center director, is Gary Salmon. Gary, I mean, it's, it's an amazing facility. Oh, it's outrageous, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anywhere like it, certainly wherever I've been, or not in the Caribbean, maybe not in the world. Well, yeah, it's one of a kind. Explain what you do. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the, res the shooting centre is based around clay shooting. Um, We're we talking about sporting clays. Sport well, we have sporting clays. 
a really nice layout with a 110-foot tower and maybe 200 stations. And I have to tell you, that's that's my favorite shooting sport. I used to use a Purdy. If you wow. Know, uh, yeah, not mine. <laughs> They're too expensive for me to own one. But there was an over and under shotgun. And, uh, and, as, and as confident as I was doing it, of course, I needed a massage immediately afterwards because of my, uh, my shoulder, right? The recoil. But after about the third pull, I was hitting them. It's pretty good. So you're, you're doing sporting clays. It's sporting clays. The tower's 110 foot. It has three levels, kind of a basic level, a middle level, and a pro level. So from the By the top, way, they didn't, they didn't give me the pro level. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> they, they, it's like the bunny slope for me. But I, got, I, I, I hit a few, you know. Yeah, well, not easy. Even off the first level, it's still 40, 50 foot. So, yeah. so you did okay if you kept breaking a few. I did. I hit a few, yeah. Yeah. And then the rest of the sporting clays, we have... Um, Grouse butts, a, a, an English-style grouse butts where you can shoot simulated grouse. Um, low level? Uh, low level, yeah. yeah. English red grouse. There's, the butts are sunk in the ground, made of stone, you know, like, like you'd have in North Yorkshire or uh, North of England or, or Scotland. And then uh, we have 200 stations there. You can shoot bolting rabbits, simulated bolting rabbits, teal, pheasants, partridge, whatever. And then we have um, a skeet layout. And then we have three trap layouts and, and also two trap pigeon layouts, live pigeon um, layouts. So you're actually shooting the pigeons? Yeah. Wow. So what's for dinner tonight? Pigeon. I knew it. Yeah. See, I had to ask. Yeah, because she did. <laughs> now, but you train people to do this. It's, it, while you're here at the resort, you actually learn how to do this, which is great. Yeah. Mo- most people who shoot, there are novices, and you get quite a few experts come, but a lot of people have never had a gun in their hand or had a gun in their hand once and think they're an expert and then they find out they're kind of not because they probably had a rifle or a pistol in the hand which is not even in the same county as a shotgun. Exactly. Yeah. I first learned how to do it at the Glen Eagles. Oh, really? Uh, with Jackie Stewart. Mm-hmm. People forget he wasn't just a race car driver. No. He was a shooter. He was world champion. He was. Yeah. Olympic. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And he, he talks like this, Jackie Stewart. But I, I hit a few of them too. Yeah. Now, what about the dogs? Tell me about the dogs. Um, we have quite nice kennels with fans and AC and all the rest of it because it does get hot here in the summer. Um, we have pointers, cocker spaniels, springer spaniels, and we just we've got some Labradors as well. We just bred a litter of Labradors for kind of bringing them on. And you use those to train them as as, as hunting dogs, as gun dogs, peak retrievers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people, do people buy the dogs from you? No, not really. We just mainly have them for our own use. Oh. We do some boarding and things like that. I would, I would suspect <laughs> that someone coming down here would fall madly in love with one of the dogs and beg you to take it home. Always, yeah. Especially a 12-week-old Labrador puppy. Yes. Always. Yes. Uh, Labradors, are, I love Labradors because sooner or later they're going to pet people. They're just going to pet you mm. because they're going to be that big. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever let somebody buy the dogs? No. Not really. Not no. really. Not, not since I've been here, no. No. So yeah. they're just they're for show only. <laughs> well... <laughs> They're for show to outsiders, but they, they have to earn their living. Is there, a, is there a shooting program for kids too? Yeah. Uh, when I came here, there was a 12-year-old limit, which I kind of abandoned straight away because I've been shooting since I was like six, and I've always been pretty safe. And we've kind of got this motto that um, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't leave a, um, a child in front in charge of an automobile like you wouldn't a gun so as long as it's it's done nicely and you look after them and keep them keep them safe it's it's no different right so you have a lot of six-year-olds running around under supervision completely under supervision and they don't 
you know, we, we even hold on to the gun while they're shooting. So they're, that's a good idea. Yeah. That, see, you left the best for last. Of course you hold on to the gun while they're shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise the kid gets <laughs> the recoil alone. The kid takes off. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.